all you beautiful people out there in the wonderful locale that is podcast land, welcome to the Archery Geek Outdoors podcast. Now, that sounded like a slightly more exciting opening to the podcast. The bit I always struggle with is the opening sentence, and to be honest, the last few, they've sounded so lifeless. You know, it's like, hello, my name's Nigel, welcome to the library, to the train spotting club. But I suppose with practice, I can hope I'll get better at it. Right, welcome to episode number seven. According to all the things I read when I was looking at starting up a podcast, episode seven's the biggie to get past. Most podcasts that fail, ne- they fail because they never make it past seven episodes. So if you hear me back for number eight, hopefully it means I want to keep on going, folks. That's if you don't mind listening to me and coming along this journey with me. But I think that the biggest thing I worry about doing this is finding decent content that you're hopefully going to want to listen to. So if there's anything you'd like to hear me talk about related to my archery, health and fitness, drop me an email at archerygeekoutdoors at gmail.com and let me know. Same if you've got hate mail. Anything you need to say to me, that's the email address. Just remember, folks, I'm by no means an expert in anything I talk about. I'm just an enthusiastic amateur waddling off on this journey into getting deeper into my archery and looking to get fit and healthy. So this episode seven, I've looked at the kit I used before. I'm going to go more in depth than my arrows. What I started off with, arrows I progressed through, how I build my arrows, what arrows I'm shooting now, what I'm contemplating looking at in the future, the kit I used to build and what I've got, and a couple of extra little additions that I'd like to add to the toolbox for building more accurate arrows. In fact, no, more accurate arrows isn't the right term, more consistent arrows, I think I should say. Obviously, It's the soggy bit behind the bow, you know, the good old organic bit, the human being that has the biggest impact on the accuracy of them. I want more consistent arrows. Why? Because I'm nowhere... My arrows will always outperform me, but I want to remove as many inconsistencies and variables with my kit as I can so that I know that arrows that don't go where I want them to I'm the reason they haven't, not because there's something wrong with the arrow or something wrong with the rest of the kit. Mistakes are going to be purely 100% down to me. You know, remove that litany of archers' excuses out of the system. Now, this is actually my second attempt at recording this podcast. You know, I've said before, I tend not to use a script or notes. For this one, I actually tried jotting down a few notes last night, but didn't stick to them at all. Recorded, I think it was about an hour and 15 minutes. Listened back to it, and by God, it was even more awful and rambly than I usually am. I was bouncing backwards and forwards like a fiddler's elbow. So, second attempt at recording this tonight, I've been a little more organised in my notes. (laughs) It's a rarity, me being organised. But a little more organised in my notes, hopefully... I'll have a little bit of direction in this podcast, and I'm not just going to ramble off inanely like I normally do. 
But before I start on that, I've got to give a shout out to a podcast I've been listening. I've been listening to it for a couple of three months before I started recording my own podcast. I listen to the usual archery podcasts, the bow junkies, the knock-ons, uh, I've got working class bow hunter, hot boger, uh, on point with Garrett Weaver. You know, all, all the usual ones that are all presented by experts in the field. Now, don't get me wrong, I've, I've picked up some amazing information for these, and you get a few laughs in them. But on Podbine, on uh, Podbine, on Podbean, <laughs> in my suggested ones, it came up with off-centre archers, and I thought, right, I'll give it a listen. Oh, God, it's brilliant. These guys really do put the fun in it. It's presented by a married couple, Stephanie and Anthony Conti, uh, so you can find them on all the usual podcast platforms. Just look off-centre archers. Now, as the names would suggest, they're a married couple, so they've got this awesome chemistry, this amazing vibe. But they don't hold back. If they like something, they say. If they think something's crap, they'll call it out. And they don't proclaim to be experts. They proclaim ex- exactly the opposite. And if I remember rightly... Uh, Anthony's been shooting 20-odd years, but his wife, Stephanie, has only been shooting, I think it's just under two years, and ultimately they'd like they'd like to hunt with bows. They're not fans of the way animals are factory farmed, so they'd like to harvest their own meat, but they're doing some target, some 3D, all along this journey of wanting to go after their own meat, and it really is worth a listen. It, you know... I'd, I'd literally laugh out loud listening to it. They've got such a good vibe and they're so funny. Well, I've got to give them a shout out because, as I've said before, apart from one post on Instagram when I look, released the last episode, the only place I advertise it is on Twitter. I'll do that via Anchor. Just hit the link, post it on Twitter. And last episode, I put the link on Twitter and within two minutes, it had been retweeted by the off-centre archers. So I just through a little comment and they thank you so much for the retweet i really appreciate it and they came back saying look anything to help out with the archery community and these guys have got so much love for the archery community and they'll do anything to help it so give them a listen guys at off center archers now following them on twitter uh stephanie put a post up she actually runs an etsy store doing paracord goods wrist slings, binocular straps, turkey lanyards, even flags made out of paracord. And to find them, just head to etsy.com and look for shooting skulls. That's all one word, shooting skulls on Etsy. So I had a look, scrolling down, and I'd been thinking about buying some paracord. I'd been on YouTube again, watching how to make them and having to go making my own wrist sling. But most of them you see are just the standard good old cobra knot. And scrolling down through these things, so many different styles of knots in them that make them look different. I mean, just in the first page, we've got cascading ladders, uh, sanctified covenant, avatar, snake knot, jawbone, stitched fishtail, fishtail. And then I saw one that just blew me away. It's the Solomon's dragon, but they also do one with little skull beads woven into it looked at it and it's in grey, black, flow green with skulls. As I've said, my bow is my bear kuma is the iron colour, which is a dark grey, black grip, black limb pockets, black cams, 
with a flow green string and my veins and wraps on my hair as a flow green. And I looked at this and he said, oh, I'm, I'm driven like Homer Simpson again. Uh, <laughs> it's £14, 15 pence. Now, if you look at a standard cobra knot, bow sling, wrist sling, they're a tenner. So I'm thinking, this is an absolute bargain. So I dropped them a message on Twitter, you know. I mean, this is Sunday night. I'm not expecting anything back saying, do you ship to the UK? Three minutes later, I've got a reply, yep, of course we ship to the UK. So today I've ordered my wrestling. I'll let you let you know when it gets to me. Uh, obviously, things are a bit slow at the moment with all the COVID. All I think the postal services from the States are all right. And, oh, I will post a photo on Instagram when it gets here because it's such a stunning-looking piece of kit. You know, something as simple as wrestling, it really is going to look awesome on my bow. Now, a little bit of a middle-aged grumpy man rant now with the ongoing saga of this Axel Touch site I ordered now almost a month ago. Still heard nothing about it. You know, advertised 7 to 10 days. After 10 days... I emailed to find out where it was. Don't need to be told their supplier hadn't got it. They'd got their stock numbers wrong. I've still heard nothing since. You know, I, 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 it would have been nice to have an email to say, we've contacted the suppliers, this is the problem, this is when they're expecting it. Nothing. I'm like a mushroom just being kept in the bloody dark. Like I say, I've I've spoken to Trueball Excel myself, and they said, no, no problem, our end. We've been shipping daily right the way through the pandemic. Oh, God, it's a good job. I've got no desires or delusions to be a sponsored archer. I'm really going to piss people off, aren't I? Calling out shitty customer service. But I'm like, you, you know what it's like as archers. We all love new cool gadgets. And when you saved up for something, got really excited, you're expecting it. And then nothing. It's it really pees you off to the back teeth like i say i wouldn't mind if i got an email saying right we've been on to the wholesaler this is what's happening either they haven't put the order in or they have put the order in but it's been delayed just bloody well let me know what's going on will you anyway that's enough of me grumpy middle-aged man rants let's get on to the arrows when i bought my stinger x at the back end of 2014 Bought it as an RTS kit, as I've said before, and the only other things I had to buy at the time were my release aid and arrows, and I didn't want six or eight. I wanted a dozen arrows. I knew roughly what my budget was in total, so I got recommended the good old Eastern Power Flight. Now, the Power Flight are, they're a car, well, I say a carbon arrow. First time I broke one and looked at it, it looked like it was carbon on the inside. Then a layer of it, what looked like, I don't know what it is, but it looked like fiberglass, just white stuff down in the middle. And another layer of carbon on the outside. And as far as I'm aware, they were and still are Eastern's budget arrow. But they're an amazing budget arrow, you know, really quite robust. And at the time, I think I paid £65 for a dozen of these in a 400 spine. Of course, my bow had been wound down to about, 60 pounds for me to get used to it they came with a good old orange eastern super knock and boy is that a huge knock i guess a gto knock from gold tip that comes with their comes as standard with their 246 uh, diameter arrows is about the same size but it's bloody huge and i was asked what point weight i wanted and when i'd been doing my usual youtube trawling 
everybody seemed to be talking about 100 grain. So I asked about 100 grain points. I said, yep, they're about the most common. So they came with Saunders bullet points, 100 grain bullet points in them. And they were fletched with the old, I think I remember it was EP23 or EP26 veins. Most original colour combination ever of the fluorescent yellow and fluorescent orange. Of course, first arrows I'd owned since my Eastern Red Eagles, and they were carbon fibre, and I thought they were amazing. But I soon discovered that shooting these EP veins through the whisker biscuits Oh, the only way I can describe it, soak, soak your hand in water for 10 minutes, look at the wrinkles on your fingers, that's how these EP veins went, and I was really disappointed. So, back to the internet, hit YouTube again, just chucked in, can you straighten your veins? Yes, you can, and it was remarkably easy, this wonderful little tutorial, I think it was a South African bloke. All you do, you put the gas ring on, on his cooker, held the veins, about eight, ten inches above the flame and just gently rotated it. And as if by magic, these veins suddenly come straight and they look half decent again. But then you shoot them, you know, a few dozen more times and you're back to Wrinkle City. So I really wasn't impressed with these. And first time down at Paget, I think because my draw length's 29, the arrows are either being cut to 29 and a half or 30 inches. And they were overhanging the front of my bow. I mean, at the time, I'd got no idea about arrow spine, no idea about GPI, anything of that. I just went with what the shop recommended for me. And I'd got even less idea about what effect all this had on arrow speed, arrow trajectory, and pin gaps when it comes to shooting. And as I've said before, I shoot NFAS, which is unknown yardage. You have to guess. And the arrow speed limit for NFAS is 300 feet per second. And not being the world's best distance judger, I needed to be as close as I could to 300 feet a second. Of course, the faster you are, the flatter your trajectory, closer your pin gaps, the more margin you've got for god-awful distance estimation. But I was happy just to be shooting, and it's only as I spent more and more time on YouTube and places like Archery Talk that I became more aware of what arrow spine is, the effect GPI has, the effect point weight, size of veins and all this. And I love going down the rabbit hole. I love to try and remove as many inconsistencies as I can and get my bow shooting as fast as I can within the speed limits of the society that I shoot so that I can make up for this, at times, absolutely atrocious distance judging you know, sometimes it's bad distance judging. Other times it's incredibly clever course laying, where they'll use vegetation and lost ground, where, you know, you, you're convinced something's at a set distance. You shoot it and it's either a lot closer or a lot farther away. But as I was happy shooting these, slowly started whittling them down where I'd have bad shots or, I, you know, I'd hit a piece of rebar in a 3D misjudged something hit a stone on the ground and even i think it was three times with these managed to robin hood them so my arrows were dwindling down a little so i decided it was time for some new arrows and i'd come across all these arrow building tutorials on youtube and i decided i wanted to have a go at building my own arrows so as i do with most things back to youtube watched even more arrow building tutorials 
and I love the looks of wraps on arrows. I am it made them look so cool. And as archers, we all know how well something performs is directly proportional to how cool it looks. So if it looks cool, it's going to perform fantastically. And I'd seen boning blazers mentioned a lot as well. So into the YouTube search goes boning blazers. And there's endless videos on, you know, how they make them. And one of boning's best promo videos for this involved... They'd done a lot of wind tunnel and... Uh, high-speed photography on them and you know showed you how they react in the wind how they react when they pass through something and you could get them in zebra stripe which oh yeah this 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 was it for me so i like i said i wanted to use arrow wraps so i'm googling arrow wraps uk and up comes carl aldrich's place the archery shop down in pool and he got these fantastic monochrome Union Jack wraps, seven inches long. But I thought they would look so good with these black and white striped blazers. Arrow-wise, arrow-shaft-wise, I knew I wanted to stick with the power flights. I hadn't got a lot of money to throw around on shafts. I mean, the price of some of the arrow shafts is pant-wettingly scary. But the power flights... I could get a £2.70 a shaft. They, you know, it came with the knock. Yep, that hoofing great orange super knock and the insert. So all I've got to buy on top was fletching glue, wraps, veins and points. Stuck with 100 grain points, but switched to the Saunders combo points. I'd found with the bullet points, only occasionally, but enough to make me want to try something different. If you hit high on a 3D, or say the side of the standing bear towards the top of something like the, the bear on four legs or the tiger, where it curves, the bullet points could skip off, and I didn't want that. So like I say, it would, and the other thing I knew I wanted, I wanted my arrows cut shorter. We'd measured at the club when I was at full draw to get the front of the shafts where I wanted. I could go, we reckon 27 and a quarter from throat and knock to front of... The actual carbon would be, I'd have, I'd still have a good couple of three inches in front of my whisker biscuit. Went with the 400s again, so off I went back to the place I bought my first arrows from, and I had a dozen 400 spine power flight shafts. I say they came with these, these chunky great orange super knocks, and the 100 grain point, hadn't cut 27 and a quarter, I say from throat to knock to front of carbon, then jumped on to the archery shop's website, Ordered these black black and white Union Jack wraps, the zebra-striped blazers, and in the suggested thing, it came up with 3D Supernocks. And I'm thinking, ooh, I'm shooting Supernocks. These are 3D Supernocks. A, it sounds cooler than Supernock, and I'm shooting 3D archery, so this must be what I need. And I could get them in white, so the back end of the arrow would be beautifully colour-coordinated. And it's all about the colour coordination, isn't it, folks? Now, I'd have to eat as well. I needed a fletching jig. And I'd been looking at the boning jigs, you know, the stand, standard style with a clamp on top. Uh, and then up on YouTube came this Helix Tower fletching jig by boning. If, if you don't know it, it's basically three, three legs of a base with an arm above each. You can put three vein, all three veins on at the same time. And the standard ones that come with the basic Helix Tower are designed for 
up to a 2.25 inch vein, not feathers, which, you know, it basically was designed for putting on blazers and boning reckon through all their research, the best combination, which I'd, I'd, until I watched these, I'd never come across offsets and helicals. I thought veins just went on straight. The best compromise between drag and speed is a three degree right helical. And lo and behold, this wonderfully cool looking jig puts your veins on at a three degree right helical. So I ordered the Helix Tower fletching jig as well and a tube of fletch type platinum. Now this may sound like I'm a bit of a boning fanboy and yes I am. Why? Purely because they've worked for me. I've, like I say, the EP26s, I was seriously unimpressed with. The bonings blew my mind. They could go through anything. They didn't crimp, and they stuck like shit to a blanket onto these wraps with this fletch-type platinum. So much so that if I had a vein come off, the vein didn't separate from the wrap as it passed through a target. The wrap used to pull off the shaft, so I'd find the vein with, with a section of the wrap still attached to it, I've tried other glues and I can't fault them, but I'm just really, really comfortable with a Fletch-type platinum, particularly because it's a slow cure and I'm no chemist, I'm no material scientist. I don't know if it's true or whether it's just more internet-based bullshit, but things like uh, the Archery Talk forums, the general consensus seems to be that a slow cure is less brittle than... A cyanoacrylate, one of you know, something like a super glue that cures in seconds. So I went with a fletch type platinum. So I go and buy my shafts, get them cut at the shop. Now, this this is something that it, it grinds my gears a little bit. I've seen a couple of shops that if you want your arrows cutting, well, a couple in the UK, if you want your arrows cutting, they charge you extra. The shop, the shops I've used have never charged me anything for cutting my arrows, but I've had friends bought from elsewhere and they've ended up using Dremels to cut them. I said, why didn't you get the shop to cut them? It's, well, they charge extra for it. Come on, guys, don't be tight asses. If you're selling somebody arrow shafts, at least cut them for them. They're giving you the business. Don't charge them extra for, what's 30 seconds a shaft? Anyway, cut my shafts. All my stuff arrived. The rest of the stuff arrived. My things <laughs> right through the post. Bloody hell. Can't even string a sentence together now. <laughs> All my goodies arrived through the post and I sat down to build my arrows. Uh, I say, I'd, I'd actually got my laptop in front of me watching a tutorial. Watching a, I can't remember whose tutorial it was and went through it step by step. Then I knew nothing about squaring the ends of the shaft, so I got my mouse mat out, pinched my daughter's nail varnish remover. Of course, everybody said, you need to clean the back of the shaft before you put your wraps on. I got my mouse mat out, ready to roll them on. I had a whale of a time building these arrows, and I absolutely loved using the Helix Tower fletching jig. You know, three veins on at once. It seemed to be done in no time. Oh, inserts. I went with the boning blue melts the blue it's they call it a hot melt it's not a hot melt it's a cool melt apparently it melts at a much lower temperature than the others and never had a problem with it all i knew was first thing before i did anything clean out both ends of the arrow shaft with the acetone well at the time i said nail varnish remover now i use pure acetone i buy off ebay i think i pay 
litre and a half it's about it's about a fiver it's not a great deal i didn't realize at the time apparently nail varnish remover although it's yes you can get acetone free but the acetone based stuff although it's primarily acetone there are also oils in there that are designed to protect ladies nails. well no you can't just say ladies nails now can you uh designed to protect the nails of anyone that's using it there we go i'm politically correct now but it worked and the amount of crap that came out the end of these arrows was unbelievable. But the the reason for doing this, all this carbon dust that sits down there, particularly when you're gluing an insert or points, when you put whatever form of adhesive down there, if all this carbon dust's down there, it's sticking to the carbon dust as well as the wall of the arrow, so you're not getting really good adhesion, apparently. How true? I don't know. Like I say, I'm not an expert. This is just what i gleaned from the good old internet you're more likely for the inserts or points to pull out purely because you've stuck it to the dust and the dust can slide straight up at the end of the arrow shaft <laughs> so i built these arrows and oh my lord did they look awesome uh i just joined Paget at the time and with enfas you have to have your name and shooting num shooting order on the arrow. Now, the thing Carl offered with these, and a lot of places do now, but Carl was the only the, the first place I'd seen it. He was, he was the only one I'd seen these monochrome Union Jacks that I, re- I was really craving for. You could have your name and club printed on there. And like I say, with Enfast, you have to have your name, your club, and shooting order. I didn't have numbers on because I shoot from red, white, and blue pegs. Loz, one of the guys at the club, he actually used, uh, a lot of folks will use electrical tape, but he used trim tape for model cars. And I went to, I think it was Mike's Models in King Standing and picked up a roll of blue, a roll of white and a roll of red. So you can see it all the way around the arrow and it's obviously red tape from red peg, white tape from white peg, blue tape from blue peg although people argue as i shoot unlimited i shouldn't be using any more than one arrow <laughs> you got some chance of that folks but like i say i absolutely adored how these arrows look and when i first went and bought my bow one of the guys at the shop said you've got to remember this game is 90 percent mental i said well that should suit me down to the ground next time. i'm about 90 percent mental and I don't know whether it was the the difference in veins, the fact I've got this helical on, which Boning always said, you group tighter when your veins are helical, the arrow spins faster, gets better st- stabilisation, blah, blah, blah. All the usual marketing bump, I'm presuming there's a modicum of science backing this up. And straight away, I was grouping better. I said, I don't know whether it was just that or whether thinking these arrows were better had a placebo effect and made me more confident in my shooting as well because you'll know as an archer the the biggest handicap to you shooting well once your kit's sorted is your mindset once I've, I've always found if my mindset's right i shoot so much better and like i say we, we talked about that when i went through my shot cycling was it episode four or five? Oh, i can't remember now but I was so much more confident with these arrows and my shooting came on leaps and bounds. I mean, obviously, the more you practice, the more it's going to. But having such cool-looking arrows, I wanted to shoot even more. You know, so shooting more obviously had a very beneficial effect on the shooting. 
But as always, over the next 12 months, I seem to buy a dozen arrow, a dozen shaft about every 12 months, you know, over, over the space of 12 months, again, you know, bad shots, pieces of rebar, misjudging distances, robbing hoods, and gen- generally being a hoon with my arrows, you know. As much as I love them, I, I, I am very hard on them. I, I don't pamper them and baby them. Arrow numbers were dwindling. I think I was down to about four or five. You know, it's not a bad rate, losing six or seven arrows over the space of a year. But I was getting ready for my first trip to Liberty. And by this time, I'd become a lot more aware of arrow spine and speed. Liberty had got a reputation for throwing out some long shots and I was shaking like a shitting dog at the thought of trying to judge distances and get to long shots. So I knew I wanted my arrows to be faster. I was also aware that 400 was underspined for £70. So I decided the dozen I was going to build for Liberty, I was going to go. I was going to go up to a 340 spine. Downside of this, the 400 spine power flights are about 8.4 grains an inch. The 340s, I think they're 9.3. So I'm thinking, right, if I want to go faster, I've got to lose weight off my arrows, and I'm straight away going for a heavier arrow. So off I go. YouTube again internet again all the forums as much as i could cram into my head and you know what it's like when you get down this rabbit hole you end up chasing things you've gotten sod all chance of catching but going through boning's website i came across these x veins lovely little 1.75 inch x veins which they reckon are designed for because there's less drag you maintain higher speed downrange, and i'm thinking that's going to make up for my crappy distance judging that is so I went over to what at the time was Heritage Archery out at Newport in Shropshire. I say it was at the time because it was owned by Heritage Longbows, Lee Ankers, absolutely lovely bloke. But it, his workshop's in Cannock, but he's got his retail shop out at Newport. He's now moved his retail shop back to Cannock and Ryan that ran the shop for him bought the premises and it's now the Archer's Nest, Ryan's own shop. But I went over to Heritage and they just had, they'd just become boning dealers and they'd had their first promo pack land from boning. And as soon as I said X-Veins, he pulls out this bag and there are Union Jack X-Veins in there. And I thought these look so freaking awesome. I said, look, I know they're the promo pack. How much for me to buy them? I want them right now. So bought them. Back to the original shop I bought my bow from for these 340 spine power flights, but this time I hadn't cut. In fact, no, I'd said I wanted them. I was feeling a little bit groggy when I went over to get them, so my daughter came with me. She went in the shop, uh, and I'd, I'd tried. I'd put in one of them, my original arrows. I'd dropped in a Microlite Super Knock because I was after saving weight, and these things were only about seven grains of Microlite Super Knocks. So I'm thinking, yep, I'll go with those. Much smaller version of the Super Knock. I said, tell them I want them cut in the same size as those. She comes out and said, he said he can't because you've got the wrong knock fitted. I said, no, it's not the wrong knock. It's just a different knock than the one Eastern Supply. So I said, nip back in, tell them more on behind the counter that 
if you can't figure it out, just measure carbon to carbon and cut the carbon to carbon. Turns out carbon to carbon was 27 inches. Straight back onto the archery shop site, looking for wraps again, ordered the standard Union Jack in red, white and blue, and some red Microlite Supernox. Now, with the Microlite Supernox, the standard Supernox and 3D Supernox are a solid colour. The red are like a crystal, you know, transparent. And I found when you shoot these in the woods, if you catch the sun as it hits the target, it's like having a lighted knock. Sunlight hits it and it, the knock actually glows. It's like having a nocturnal on the back of your arrow. And having watched more and more arrow build tutorials, I'd also learned about the joys of squaring the back and the front of your shaft before you fit your components, all related to concentricity of fit. And there's actually a study being done. It was by some Australian archers. If you Google component concentricity or arrow shaft straightness and its effect on performance, these archers actually did a study using various straightness of shaft. And they found that, yes, straightness of shaft makes a difference. But the other thing that makes just as big a difference is how concentric your components are in the shaft, particularly knock fits. And these actually found that the best performing knocks for concentricity were these little micro light super knocks. So when I when I ordered my wraps and micro light super knocks from Carl, because he hadn't got the micro light super knocks in at the time, I phoned up, said, "Have you got me?" He said, "No." Hang on the phone two minutes. Jumped on JVD's website, said JVD have got them. I can have them to you in less than a week. I said, fantastic. So I ordered those and my wraps. Uh, and instead of running the standard Eastern insert and a 100 grain screwing point in this quest for weight savings, see, that was the other thing about the X veins as well. Lighter, more speed. You know, it's a top gear moment. Speed, speed, power, power all that malarkey, I decided instead of this 20-odd grain in certain 100-grain point, I just went straight down to a 40-grain CB target point. No insert, just glue straight in the front end. I'm thinking, right, you know, I've saved myself 40-odd grains there. That's going to be worth some speed. Lightened up on the knock, lightened up on the veins. And for the wraps, instead of going 7-inch, I went down to 4 inches. I was trying to save every gain I could to build up the speed. Like I say, I'd learned about arrow concentricity and Carl was selling the G5 arrow squaring device, which is the one that everybody was raving about on YouTube. So I bought that as well. So I sit down to build my arrows when I've got everything there. And this time I had the extra step of squaring the front and the back of the arrow, you know, run your silver sharpie around it, put it on the squaring device, rotate it, give it a few spins. If you can still see bits of sharpie, you know you've got a low spot, so keep going until all the sharpie's gone. And all these, are, yeah, looking back, they didn't look as good as the black and white ones with the blazers, but as far as I was concerned, less drag meant more speed downrange, make up for poor distance judging, lighter meant faster, closer pin gaps again, make up for poor distance judging and as i said in one of the previous episodes i took these off to liberty my very first open shoot my only goal for that weekend was to not blank a target and 
first target I missed with the first two arrows. Anybody that knows Liberty knows it's really like sandy soil. And when you shoot, you know, you, you miss a target. That, that arrow's burying itself and you're not going to find it. So I'm convinced that these gorgeous new arrows that I adored on the first target, I've lost two, never to see them again. Coming at the end of the day, and as we're walking past the admin point, one of the marshals saw me, saw my arrow, said, they're distinctive. I found two of yours under the lion. They're in the sin bin over there. And oh, was I so glad to see these. I mean, we, we actually chronoed the bow with these Mustinger X, and I'd gone from 270s with my original black and white arrows. No, sorry, original arrows were, the original 400 spine were in the 270s. First lot I built with the Blazers were in the 280s, and these were into the 290s, so I was absolutely over the moon. You know, to get a Stinger X, to be shooting nearly 290 feet, sorry, nearly 300 feet a second, I was ecstatic at this. I'd never actually weighed my arrows either, and it's only recently I've bought a set of grain scales. But, oh, yep, love these arrows. Anyway, again, over the next 12 months, arrow numbers dwindled. Yeah, I know, folks, this is getting a little boring, but don't worry. We, we are going somewhere with this. So I'm now up to building my fourth set of arrows. Now, the only problem I'd found with the Union Jack wraps and Union Jack veins, particularly because the X veins are really tiny little veins... When the arrow hit the target, unless sunlight hit that knock and made it glow, I couldn't see where the hell I'd shot. You know, the no binos allowed in NFAS. They weren't at the time. There are now, but you still can't use your binos once you've shot to see where your arrow sit. You're only allowed to use them to view where the kill is. So I hadn't got the blood. I knew, you know from the sound, if you've hit a 3D. But if you're shooting... An animal paper face on a foam boss. All you know is you've hit the boss. You've got no idea where the... Even if you've hit the, the picture of the animal, you just know. You can tell if you've hit cardboard, which most of the targets are mounted on. You can tell if you've hit foam. So I needed something that was more visible. So time to build my fourth set. And I decided to go back to a 400 spine. Purely because I'd shot one of my 400 spines. And they flew fine even though strictly speaking though slightly slightly underspined they flew fine so i went back to the 400 spine only this time instead of the union jack x veins i went to flow yellow uh i'd been hearing about a firm called arrow socks on facebook jumped on their site wasn't sure what width of wrap i needed so i thought right let's give them a message Really quick, they got back to me, told me what diameter, and I thought, right, yeah, you know, really reasonable prices as well. Cannot knock them. So I ordered my wraps from those. Uh, I I went back to Heritage and got more X-Veins in Flow Yellow, and then ordered the yellow Microlite Supernox from Carl down at the archery shop again. This set, the only difference between that set and the previous was, like I say, Flow Yellow again, 80 grain CB target points and absolutely loved shooting them. Still kind of missing the cool look of the the blazers, though I've got to admit. I do, I do love the look of the blazer, and as I said, you know yourself. The cooler it looks, the better it shoots. It's a scientific fact, people. And before I get the haters getting all butter and saying, no, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's not a scientific fact at all. I just, it, it's me. The cooler it looks, the better it shoots. 
And then I went and bought my PSE Bow Madness Epics. Oh, I love that bow. But I knew that upgrading my bow, I wanted to upgrade upgrade my arrows. And obviously by this point, I'm a lot more aware of arrow spine, GPI of the arrow. And I'd also been seeing, starting to see things appear. A bigger discussion about front to centre. Now, that's something to talk about in a different episode, but everybody seemed to say a slightly higher front to centre, the point pulls the arrow rather than the back pushing it. And I knew to keep, I say this epics was nearly 30 feet a, a second faster IBO speed. So I knew I could go with a heavier arrow, which would resist wind drift. But if I went with a lighter shaft, I could have a heavier point, which would mitigate that resistance of wind drift, or at least that's how my mind thinks. There's always going to be folks that agree, folks that disagree. This is the thought process I was going through at the time. Like I say, I'm by no means an expert. I'm just an enthusiastic and very often misguided amateur. But when I when when the epics came and I put one of the power flights through through the chrono, it was way way over the speed limit for NFAS. I think it was shooting about 326 feet a second with these 400 spine power flights with the light little points. And I decided I wanted to move away from the power flights. Like I said, upgraded my bow. I thought it was about time to upgrade my arrows. But I didn't want to and couldn't afford to spend a shit ton on arrows. Arrows are consumables, particularly in 3D archery where you shoot unknown distances. Yeah, even stuff like sighting in I made the mistake of sighting one of these gold tips in on a very narrow 3D target, moved my sight too much, skipped it and lost it the first time I shot it. So I'd seen all the videos that Tim Gillingham does from the ATA on gold tip and I knew that we'd worked out I needed to be somewhere around the 415, 420 grain mark of total arrow weight to get the epics to shoot around the 300 feet a second mark. I knew... I wanted a light, stiff shaft, Choff Choff said that's what she said, with a slightly heavier point. So, trawling through gold tip sights, ultralight entradas, they're on a 300 spine, they're only 8.8 grains per inch. Boning's insert is, if I remember right, I think it's somewhere around, so between 8 and 11 grains, I think, where his eastern insert's 20 odd grains. So, I could shoot 125 grain points, and I knew. I didn't want to shoot the standard pushing knocks. I wanted to shoot a uni bushing purely because, you know, if you shoot compound, everybody says don't shoot groups, you know, particularly 20 yards, you're going to break arrows. But every now and again, we need to just stroke our ego and shoot those groups purely so we can see arrows stacked one on top of another. And having watched all these gold, what did they call it? The Gold Tip Arrow University, the series Tim Gillingham presents. Really, really fascinating. You can learn so much from it. I mean, this this guy takes technicalities to the next level. But I, I was hoovering up all this information. And they were generally talking about putting uni bushings in. Give the back of your arrow some protection. So if you hit the back of it with another arrow, it's not going to... The uni bushing will help that arrow glance off. So I ordered the uni bushings. I ordered... They took a G-knock, a large groove G-knock. And I'd been watching Cam Haynes' videos and his arrows with the fluorescent yellow wraps and blazers looked so cool. So I thought, right, I want to try blazers. 
I'm also going to try X veins because I was convinced that these X veins gave less drag, so they'd give me more speed downrange. So I ordered a dozen shafts. I ordered some fluorescent yellow wraps. I'd got a load of my fluorescent yellow X veins because I tended to buy packs of 100. Purely so, if I rip them off, I haven't got to order, wait to order some to refletch. And I bought just a dozen fluorescent yellow blazers. I thought, right, they came, did the usual arrow build process, minus fitting the wraps, because I wanted to experiment with vein configurations. So I did a couple of arrows with the three-degree helical blazers. I By this time, I bought a neck, a decut neck, P-Nexus fletching jig to do my daughter's arrows with feathers. So I used that to put blazers on straight and I did the same with the X-Veins. Helicled a couple of arrows, straight fletched and then I also did a four-fletch straight fletch. And to be honest, like I said, I'm not that brilliant an archer. Out to, out to 60 yards, because we can get 60 yards diagonally across the practice field. I couldn't see any difference. I was getting a smatter of them high, a smatter of them low. You know, it wasn't all of one vein configuration was, shoot, was shooting in one place and all of another vein configuration was shooting in the other. They were pretty well mixed up. So I thought, sod it, back to that. What looks coolest performs best. Straight back to the three blazers on a three-degree right helical with these fluorescent yellow wraps. And they look beautiful. And I was so impressed with the way they shot. Now, because these are an ultralight shaft, they're not touted. Although gold tip, their tagline at the time was the toughest arrow you'll ever shoot. And I wanted a tough arrow. You know, never thought that ultralight, ooh, these aren't going to be as strong. You know, two spines stiffer than the 400 power flight and only half a grain an inch heavier. When common sense kicked in, I thought, oh, crap. These are going to be fragile, you know, despite all... The test we'd seen Tim Gillingham do at the ATA on YouTube, you know, the torture tests. But I was so surprised, considering they're a lightweight shaft. They actually proved to be tougher than the power flights. And a couple of other guys at the club site were shooting gold tip as well. And we, we always talked about the gold tippy goodness. You know, yes, you hit a stone, you hit a piece of rebar, you'd break them. But they just seemed so much more resilient than the power flights. And I absolutely love these ultralight Entradas. Now, the Entrada is the the least straight. It's got plus, plus minus six outs, so which means you can have 12th out variation on it. But I did find when, with the inserts, if I spin an arrow on my finger and I can feel a bit of wobble, because I put them, the inserts in with the hot melts, if I warm the point up, soften the glue up and rotate the insert slightly, re-spin it, you can get it. So these things are spinning so true, it's unbelievable. Anyway, as per usual, the year progresses and, I, you know, the usual attrition of the arrow starts. And when I'm down to half a dozen, I'm thinking, right, time to buy some more shafts. At the time, I'd seen a lot of videos on YouTube for these victory vaps and they're Tagline was, you know, more speed, better penetration. Typical bloke, speed and penetration. Up go the ears, and I'm looking. And these things are micro diameter, you know, a 0.166 internal diameter compared to a 0.245 on the gold tips. And they're shooting outserts, which make them easier to pull out of 3D targets as well. 
and then I see the VAP TKOs. And these have got this cross weave of carbon on the outside. And they're spine aligned. I'm hearing spine aligned. I'm looking and everybody's suddenly talking about spine aligning your arrows. You know, you can do it, knock tuning the bear shaft. I didn't know this at the time. So all this coolness and this seriously sexy looking weave on the outside, I decide I'm going to try some. Now, these will be the most expensive arrow shafts that I've bought. And spoke to Lale down at Silver Archery in London about them. And he, he could do me such an amazing deal on them. So... Went on the spine charts, and in order to keep the the arrow weight I needed, I couldn't shoot a 300 spine. I'd have to shoot a 350. Looked at the spine weight calculator on Victory, figured out if I cut the shaft down to 26 and 3 quarters, I could just scrape into a 350. So on the Thursday afternoon, I pulled the trigger and ordered these VAP TKOs. I knew that Silver Archer was closed at the time, I'd ordered them. But next thing I know, I get a message from Lale. He'd seen my order, gone back to the shop, cut and squared my arrow shafts. I'd never come across a shop in this country. Like I said, some shops will charge you extra to cut them, including the price. Lale cut them and squared them and got them out to the post office on the Thursday afternoon so I could have them for the weekend. And this I was just blown away at. I mean, it, it is a guy I'd spoken to about twice, and he does this for me. And this is why I will always support Lale's shop. Yes, I buy things from other places, but if it's something Lale does, I'll, I'll go to Lale. Purely because his customer service is so... It, 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 American levels of customer service, it really is. He genuinely does offer... American levels of customer service in the UK and he doesn't charge you extra for it. So massive props to Lale down at Silver Archery. So it's then back onto arrow socks to order the right size wraps for these micro diameter arrows. And again, I decided to experiment with X-Vane and Blazer. Same results, no difference. So back to the Blazer, of course, they just look cooler. Now, these TKOs come with an outsert and everything I'd read and watched about outsert said you needed narrow spinner and to be honest having just spent this money on these uh, TKOs I was too tight to buy an arrow spinner and talking to one of the guys at the club Loz Loz is an engineering genius he's got the most amazing man cave and I take the pee out of him and tell him he's that talent is just, that he's just one workshop accident away from being a super villain but I'd seen these Arrow spinners built on YouTube and they were using these Bones Reds bearings. Not far from me is a skateboard shop, so I tootled off over there, bought these bearings, said to Loz, anything you can do for me, please? He said, give me a week. And he comes back and he's built this most amazing arrow spinner for me. I mean, it's machined aluminium ends. When he gave it me, I, I was like, yeah, that was the Homer Simpson, jaw on the floor, dribbling uncontrollably again chucked a picture of it up on Instagram and within an hour I'd had the owner of an archery shop contact me and say can you find out how much it costs to produce those please I'd be really interested in selling them because it looks so much better engineered than 
anything on the market. So there's me all excited. Gets on to last. No idea of the amount of work that's gone in. He did put into this thing. And said, I've just had this. What would it cost to produce it? And he said, Rich, unfortunately, there's that many hours gone into that this week. You'd be prohibitively expensive to try and mass produce it. You know, you'd, you'd be looking to 250 quid for an arrow spinner. Yeah, and I think the only people that can get away with charging that kind of money for kit and last chance, you know, 300 quid for a fletching jig, five and a half hundred quid for an arrow saw. Anyway, that's by the by. But, oh, this was wonderful. And everybody had also said you need a 48-hour two-part epoxy to put these inserts in. So I'm scouring, and the only one I can find was one called Rick's 48-hour epoxy. 17 quid, but I bought it. And you know what? This should just be called 48-hour poxy. Followed the instructions to the letter. Clean the, in, clean the inside of the shafts. Clean the outsides of the shafts. Put these inserts in. I'd, I'd actually left them to cure for a week before I shot the arrows. First round with them. And three of them get left inside the 3Ds. I'm, I'm really not impressed. So, phone's like I said, right. I needed to order some more inserts. He said, what's happened? I told him. He said, ah, take no notice of that. Victory have got this new glue-out shock adhesive. It's black. It's like a black rubbery consistency. He said, it's not cheap, but you're not going to lose an insert using it. So, took the plunge, ordered the inserts, had this glue off Lally. The only downside of it over the ricks was, with the ricks you could... Put the insert in, spin the arrow, twist it, you know, get it settled. It didn't go off that quick. Five to ten seconds, this shock adhesive, you couldn't move them. So in the end, thanks to another YouTube tutorial, I put put the insert in without glue, mark it, spin it, move it, and then when it was perfectly concentric, there was no deviation on the end, I'd literally extend that mark onto the shaft. Chof, chof, mark your shaft, folks. Take, take the outsert out, then put the glue on, line them back up, and away they went. And I've got to admit, I did love shooting these victories, but I think I made a mistake going on the 350 spine. They, I think they must have been a little bit weak. And I found in six months, I'd snapped. No, sorry, one I lost. One I tried with the, East, with the victory target point, Hit a hard spot and he pushed the point in back into the shaft. But the other snapped it in hard points. I think I was literally just getting too much flex in the speed I was shooting. And they were snapping. And I was heartbroken. Of course, these were such cool-looking arrows. You know, they were the most expensive arrows I'd bought. I'd gone, I'd gone with them because Victory touted them as being mega, mega tough. I mean, there's a video online of one of the guys at Victory putting one of these arrow shafts between two chairs, standing on it getting off the shaft doesn't snap and when they check the straightness it's retained its straightness you know that's one of the reasons i bought these maybe it would have been different if i'd bought the 300 spines i may still try some standard vaps in 300 spines i did like shooting the micro diameter but i'm now back with the current set of arrows back to the gold tip ultralight entradas only thing different is I've gone to a pin knock at the back purely because a friend let me try a hinge release. I was only trying it at five yards and I managed to drive an arrow straight through a knock, straight down the pin bushing. 
um, blew the back of the arrow wide apart. It, so it, the unibushing it peeled this unibushing apart. I, I'm shooting 125 grain top hat points. Uh, I think it's a 3D Apex combo. These points are amazing. Nothing wrong with Saunders points, but Saunders points have got what looks like a black Japaning on them. If you're shooting the rain, you don't wipe them, they go rusty. I'm presuming these top hat points are stainless steel. You can put them away wet and nothing. And that, again, they look cool. The Saunders points I always found they'd work themselves loose. Apparently, if you put a bit of bow, bowstring wax on, it doesn't. The top hat points come with a little rubber O-ring on the back. And I've yet to have one come loose in the thousands of shots I've shot with them. Never had one come loose. Uh, and so the only other thing I've changed is I'm now shooting fluorescent green wraps and veins to match the wonderful archery shack strings on my bow. Also, I've got the, the boning knock pins in the back end now and boning smooth release HD knocks. That's where I'm at now. Like I say, I'm after ultimate consistency in my arrows. I've now bought a grain scale. Uh, bought it from Ryan at Heritage. It's the one you see in an awful lot of, art, of arrow building videos. What was it, 15 quid? You know, I'm not going to sniff at 15 quid for something that helps me get more and more consistency. So before I recorded this, I decided to weigh the components I have used just to see what kind of variation we get. Started off with my blazers. They advertise them at around six and a half grains each, so I weighed 12. Three came in at 6.2 grains, eight at 6.4 grains, and one at 6.6 grains. 0.4 of a grain variation over those is nothing. I mean, considering these are mass-produced, you know, you really can't sniff at that. Uh, X-Veins, I weighed a dozen of those, and they were all either 4.2 or 4.4 grains. Boning Smooth Release HD knocks, again, weighed a dozen. Four were 4.6 grains, seven were 4.8 grains, and one was 5 grains. Again, 0.4 of a grain, this is nothing. You think these are mass-produced, these boning knocks? It's not like I'm spending a fortune on biter. These are just mass-produced knocks and 0.4 of a grain. I couldn't weigh the gold tip inserts, unfortunately. I've got no spares. All mine are in the arrows, and it'd be pointless taking one out because they've got glue on. It wouldn't be a fair test. Uh, the gold tip pin bushings, weighed a dozen of those, all 11.6 or 11.8 grains. Absolutely awesome tolerances. Then these Top Hat Apex 3D combo points. I have the 125 grain points. Ten of them were 125.4 grains and one was 125. You know, I really can't moan at that. And out of interest, while I was at it, I weighed my old 340 power flights with the CB points and the X-Vanes because I've still got three of them left. I only weighed in at 367 grains. The arrows I'm shooting now are 423 grains. You know, there's a massive difference, and these are shooting faster than the, the 367s without the Stinger. Now, there's another piece of kit I intend to get for myself. The, as you can see, I, st I, I 
do tend to obsess a bit about my kit. <laughs> Can be an understatement at times. I'm sure my other half would agree with that. I want to start cutting my own arrows. Uh, I mean, with my gold tips, with with my power flight, I just had them all cut from one end. Then watching this good old, the good old Tim Gillingham videos, they cut them from both ends, straight this bit of the arrows, always in the middle. And the gold tip ultralight entradas come at standard at 32 inches, the 300 spine. I have mine cut 27 carbon to carbon. So I have 2 inches taken off the back and 3 inches taken off the front. God, that sounds braggy, doesn't it? There aren't enough 5 inches taken off my shaft and it's still more than adequate. <laughs> I'd looked at the arrow saws. I had thought about getting the, the D-cut Pro saw, uh, 120-odd quid, I think. Then I saw the T-Bird modular arrow saw. What really appeals to me about this is it can break down to be stored in a little box. There's a much better guard on the blade than on the D-cut. Uh, you can have it with a dust extraction unit, but they've also included a hole in the guard to work as an arrow squarer because I found when I I had a little play, although Lally had squared the TKOs for me, I just wanted to see how they went on the G5 arrow squaring device. And because they're such a small diameter, when you put it against the squaring face, only half the shaft actually touches the face. Now, this T-Bird modular arrow saw, there's a cutout in the guard. It, I mean, it, it comes with, as well as the tail, the tail stock and the cutting blade. You've got two arrow spinners that clip onto it. And to use this squaring device, just switch the saw on, pop your arrow shaft on these spinners and very gently touch it against the blade, the cutting blade. And because the cutting blade's abrasive all the way across the surface of the blade, you've got an instant arrow squaring device, which I think is brilliant. And it's that good an idea, the good old last chance of including it on their 550 quid revolution arrow saw. The other thing the T-Bird arrow saw comes with is it's got a deburring tool as well. Now, if you shoot aluminium arrows, you know, you always deburr the inside of an aluminium shaft when it's cut anyway. But I'm seeing more and more folks talking about de just very lightly rotating it just to take any burrs off the inside. And to be honest, it's not a great deal more than the D-cut. So this is one of the next things on the wish list to buy. Uh, I mean, I've got stabilizers on there I want to buy as well, but I really, you know, people say, oh, is it worth it for if you're only doing a dozen arrows a year? To me, yes, it gives me more control of my arrow build. Plus, if I've got an arrow saw, I can cut arrows for other people as well, you know. If they buy from a shop that wants to charge them extra for cutting an arrow, or they want to experiment with different arrow lengths, I'll gladly cut arrows for them. So that's where I'm heading to next. I say I probably am going to try some victory arrows. I'd also like to try some of the 204 internal diameter. Um, I think it's the Rampage from Black Eagle I'm looking at. But again, they're a lot more expensive than these gold tip ultralight entradas. Ultralight entradas, they, co they come as standard with a good old GTO knock. They come with their inserts. And I paid 75 quid for a dozen shafts. You know, 70 a pound a week for arrows i'm really not gonna moan at that i would like to experiment but these things shoot so damn well for me that 
I'm a little bit loath to spend money. You know, if it ain't broke, don't don't fix it. But then again, there's the coolness factor in new kit, isn't there? And as archers, we all love the coolness factor in new kit. Right, I think I've waffled on quite long enough, folks. Thank you so much for sticking with me, if you've managed to make it this far. Hopefully, I will get an episode 8 recorded and uploaded, and apparently if I make an episode 8, that bodes well for the rest of it. Like I say, I just worry about getting informative, entertaining content out for you guys. But thank you so much for listening. It's been a pleasure. Look forward to you joining me next time. Stay safe, folks. Bye-bye.